Welcome to the Rob at Desk Podcast. I'm Rob Lazzi. Today, very honored to have RJ Grimshaw on with me. Serial entrepreneur, it seems like, looking at the bio, few businesses, sales leader, leader in general. RJ, what got you into, one of the things I saw in your bio is entrepreneurs versus entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? So the difference, um, Rob, I'm glad to be here first, um, and, and I appreciate you having me. And, and really the difference between um, an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur is really just strictly definition. An entrepreneur thinks just like that entrepreneur does. However, he or she is going to be in the confines of a of another business. So, for okay. example, a lot of times your COO might be your entrepreneur within the organization because the entrepreneur has the vision and the dreams, right? They're the visionary. They're they're always looking to to solve people's needs and always forward looking. However, the entrepreneur comes behind and executes those visions and those dreams for that entrepreneur and if you find any great company or any great entrepreneur typically they were surrounded by entrepreneurs i became an entrepreneur because i owned several companies i grew up in a family of entrepreneurs my dad owned a company is it several companies matter of fact uh, my mom owned uh, a company with my father my grand both my grandfather's own companies so it was just natural for me to see that I, and i saw just by witnessing and watching the the hard work that it takes to be an entrepreneur and the discipline and the, the ups and downs and failures and successes. However, um, you know, I fell in corporate America by accident and uh, I owned my first business at 22. So I naturally thought that that would be my life. Yeah. Um, fell in corporate America. But what drove me was all of my learnings of owning my own business and watching entrepreneurs and that mindset, and then just really deployed it within corporate America. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, I was in sales, which ultimately helped drive my career because um, sales is, is it's hard. But however, there's a score cap um, oh, yeah. and, and, you know, if you're winning or losing and then a lot of it's luck, just like in in in, um, in sports as well, who you're surrounding yourself with and being at the right place at the right time. And um, also, you know, some some struggles, you know, during you know, the 01, 2001, 99, oh, yeah. 2000, 2001. And then we experienced it again in my industry in 08, 09, uh, in 2010. And who knows what, what we're going on right now with the inflation that, uh, oh, yeah. that is over our country and, and the war and supply chain. What, what we do at my company today is we finance equipment. So oh, yeah. equipment See, in, the, I, in the market, we, we, we're out of business. I was going to ask you about that because you're relying on other people's businesses to do well, or at least have an, you know, to in the growth mode. Mm -hmm. What with like the inflation and uh, supply chain, what issues are you guys seeing in your guys' business? Because the quick recap, you guys help finance equipment for like what type of businesses would you typically work with? So we finance, we, our, our main why and drive is really helping small to medium sized businesses across the country. And everyone has a different definition of, yeah. of small business, right? If you, if you follow the SBA, it's up to what, 250 employees, which in my mind is not a that's small a, business. That's a huge company. That's a, that's a larger company. Our real core is that, is that employee or that company that's probably between five and, and a hundred, maybe not okay. saying that we don't do, we don't do transactions for bigger companies. Um, and a lot of the equipment that we're doing is, um, so let me back up and answer yeah, yeah. your question specifically on the supply chain. So during COVID, 
Yeah. And when COVID first started, we were very nervous in terms of the effect that it would take on our portfolio. Um, we have approximately 6,000 customers that we have financed at any given time in our portfolio, but we've been in business since 1978. So we've helped hundreds of thousands of companies yeah. over, over the last 42 years. However, now back to COVID, we put in place that we would be extremely proactive with communicating as, as business owners would call in. And if we all re remember back, there was just so much uncertainty of oh, yeah. what was going to take place. Um, so um, we, we knew that there was going to be challenges. However, not in a million years. And, and anyone that says that they saw this coming, uh, either they're, uh, I don't want to say a liar, but no one, no one could possibly imagine what we went through. Yeah. No, when people say like, I, I saw this coming, it's like, but you're also saying the world was going to end. It's one of those words. Like it's the doomsday person that says a hundred things are going to go wrong. And one of them does. And they're like, see, I was right. And you're and like, they but you're wrong. That. It's like the Nostradamus effect. It's like, yeah. but you were wrong 99 times. Remember, a clock's twice is, is correct twice a day. So yeah, it's like to scream you were correct is like, yeah, I got it right. It's it's like the gambler who finally wins if wins the sports book bet where it's like, yeah, but the book beat you know the sports book beat you you know nine times before that. The ratio the ratios are not in your favor, and you can beat your drum on the one win, which is fine. But it, you know, if you look at the true analytics of it, it wasn't successful. Yeah, um, no, it's like they cherry pick their data. Yeah, exactly. And 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 well, we could really go down a rabbit's hole with that uh, with, with with that in terms of COVID and the data that was provided oh, to, yeah. to 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 the public over the last couple of years and continues to be. But back to your question in terms yeah. of supply chain. Yeah. Um. What 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 took place was it was say let's let's say q2 and q3 of 2020 you know a lot of businesses weren't buying um because they weren't sure in the uncertainty but then we started to see the, the the everything pick up because of the ppp and everything that the government was doing to assist companies and really so many companies were really at a crossroads it's either grow or, or somewhat pivot um yeah. to what their business is and 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 um, enable technology and things of that nature yeah um, now the downside of this, which is very important, that no one, no, not even ourselves, saw coming, is that people that made it through COVID. We haven't seen this recently, but we saw a lot of it in the in mid 2021, say. So you're call it a year and a half into into COVID, they couldn't hire anyone. And I'm yeah. talking about long established businesses that made it through COVID, mm -hmm. adjusted, and then they were employee. Uh, let's call it employee heavy, you know, very sensitive that, that they had to have employees. And I'm not talking about restaurants or things of that nature that we're all aware of. But yeah. there was one company in particular in the Chicago market that does um, live events and carnivals where they would set up all the fencing and, yeah. and all of the infrastructure for a live uh, a, a, a concert or things of that nature. However, that takes bodies yeah. and it takes human you know, capital to be able to do that. And it's the, not going to get undone. It's not going to get done by AI anytime soon. AI, robots, it, it, you, it, it's a people business. And the owners of the company, again, made it all the way through and they decided just to shut it down and, and not sell it, not net, just just unwind wow. it and add another customer in North Carolina. However, though, with 6,000 customers, those are the two, you know, that of course, oh yeah, up in my mind, back to, back to the question again. So we saw that. And then what we saw was um, a sense of urgency. Now, however, this year now, the price of we're, we're actually financing more used equipment. Okay. The pricing of that equipment is just so far. 
it's anywhere between 20 to 75% over a used value of just a year ago. Wow. And these business owners are in a tough predicament because so say if they're uh, say if they own a, a construction company um, and, and maybe it's a, a dirt moving company. So yeah. real basic, you know, very important. And we all know that there's that we were talking before we got on air here yeah. about all the building that's taking place and the infrastructure. Well, you need equipment to do that. Oh, and, yeah. And the equipment, the in in the used equipment continues to increase in value but there's limited supply so these business owners are they have to pay it and, oh, and we yeah. even have these conversations where we'll say you know for a long standing standing customer will say are you sure are you really we're not questioning but are you sure and they say here's the alternative if i don't buy the additional pieces i can't take on the additional work and yeah. we will we'll, we'll make it up in other ways or cut in other ways so it's just a an interesting um situation and, and we monitor it on a daily basis because the last thing we want to do is put a business owner in a bad situation and the easiest way to explain that is a consumer that's buying a car and they finance it for a long term so mm -hmm. let's say 72 months or 84 months and we all know that car when it goes over the curb depreciates whatever oh. percent you want to pick oh, so right. we want to ensure that these business owners just aren't make, making decisions um, or we're trying to help them do it wisely with either putting money down into the financing so they have a little bit of equity yeah. uh, in, into the asset. Um, so it's just a very interesting situation. Now, Rob, yeah. and I'm running on here, but but this is really the bookend of that. Now we're in a raising rate environment. Oh, yeah. Right? So that's a whole nother element where people are trying to, if they order their pieces, we're starting to see people order new equipment again or or yeah out in the future however they want to try and lock in their rate today and maybe the equipment's not going to be delivered for another eight to 12 months oh yeah so that's an education process as well in terms of you know and the business owner i i feel bad for these business owners because they have it coming at them in all different directions equipment prices are going up oh yeah price of their, their goods is going up oh yeah now their interest rates are going up price of insurance is going up so it's it, it really it really brings the focus into KPIs for these business owners to ensure that they're hitting on every single metric and the and the businesses that aren't tracking KPIs and always managing their 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 key their key numbers yeah. those are the ones that are going to have a tough go at it because you let a couple of years get away from you it's going to come up and 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 bite you real quick. Oh yeah, no, a number of things you said there like with like the dirt moving company. I used to work in the fuel industry, and I helped support some people that had fuel tanks that that's what they did is they'd move dirt around right actually I moved dirt around in the neighborhood my wife and i just built a house in and so it's like it's fun to see their logos on trucks around you're like i, I did work with them and so i'm sure you do that going around town or oh, you're like my poor wife has to every time we're going down the road i see a billboard or or, or a tractor or something you do like oh we finance them oh we help them out or, or yeah yeah oh yeah no, they so enjoy it but they also chuckle we know dad we know, we know. <laughs> yeah no it's one of those like and then uh but they were talking when they're trying to get like the the big semi truck dirt movers, like with the side dumpers, they couldn't get them. Like it didn't even matter what they're willing to pay. Like there's just the, the truck suppliers. Now this was months ago. I don't know what the supply chain has done since and trying to catch up. I'm sure there's been some movement in that. There's there's, there's been some loosening of it. And now now it, now we want to talk about that industry industry specific. And if we think back to the beginning of this year, with what the government was trying to do with Build Back Better. 
all of our dealers that we work with, they were extremely nervous because they said, okay, we're going to have this bill signed in. We're going to have all this demand for equipment and we don't have any equipment. Oh yeah. So the, the good dealers were actually, in, in the, the, I shouldn't say good or bad, but a lot of the dealers we worked with, they started calling their customers and saying, Hey, if you've ever thought about using or selling a piece that you're maybe not getting full potential or full utilization, bring it to our lot, put it on consignment and we'll sell it for you. And it won't cost you anything. Yeah. The dealers are doing two things. One, they're, they're making their inventory, their lots look like they have a lot of equipment to sell. And then also they're building that value back to their repeat customers of at least having those conversations where we did see a lot of our customers even per se um, call in to pay off. And, and part of our question is we ask why they're paying off just to ensure it's a fraud prevention, but also, you know, we like that data of what's taking place in the marketplace. And they said, well, this piece I bought a year ago, I can sell it now for a $50,000 profit. And we actually will ask, well, do you need to replace that? Because we yeah. want to finance that. And a lot of times they say, no, we're going to wait till the market fixes itself. So it's a, it's just extremely dynamic for, for business owners and, and as well as the finance companies and, and anyone that's, it's, um, you know, in, in the current market. Um, oh so. yeah. No, it's, it's amazing to watch what's going on with, uh, like you said, like the build back better. Like when I worked with the fuel company, the company I worked for actually made steel tanks and okay. stainless steel tanks, things like that. And that like the fear was with the steel prices were already shooting up before that. None all of a sudden the demand would go through the roof. And you like, we couldn't hold prices almost more than a day for a while. Well, and then also remember when Trump put in the tariffs in place on steel. Oh, that yeah. Threw, that threw a shockwave through the system as well, where people were overbuying um, before, oh, yeah. before the taxes. And then um, and then you saw people, unfortunately, buying out of Canada some steel. We, we had a lot of our dealers buying their steel out of Canada, which kind of defeats the purpose of supporting uh, you know, American-made <laughs> steel. But anyways, that, that's... That's for another day. That's no, it. absolutely. Um, with uh, I think sales can go back to about anything where it's one of those, like I used to work in radio and I had some friends that, uh, you know, change fields. And they're like, if you know how to, you know, work in radio or like produce shows or things like that, because you're trying to be like, hey, RJ, can you come on my show? So it's a sales. I'm trying to get you to convince you to give you give your time to come on a show. And like sales, is just seems like the linchpin of a lot of things. I was talking to a friend today over coffee. And because sales is just overcoming objections. We're, we're the conduit be, to bring everything together at the end of the day. And I, the, my philosophy is always from a sales perspective, it's, it's an abundance mindset. So it doesn't matter what I'm selling, if it's coffee, yeah. if it's financing, if it's equipment. Um, my job as a salesperson is to identify and find people who needs, need my products yep. and then offer value to them and, and provide what they need. And yep. the numbers game, just like we were talking about analytics, but I think, at least from my perspective, what's made me successful um, and I try and focus on is that really the prep work, the preparation of ensuring what I'm, who I'm calling on, who I'm trying to build relationships with, who I'm trying to add value to really do need our product. And in our, in our world, if they're not buying a piece of equipment today, I, I really I don't have anything to offer them. Um, yeah. It, you know, we do offer other all other things in terms of marketing support and things of that nature to our dealers. But um, uh, I've I from my perspective. Yeah, sales is is the driver of 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 the economy. It's the oxygen uh, to every single company because it's the revenue and. Um, 
it's it's from my perspective i think unfortunately it's some of a a, a dying industry um, think so? I, I do a little bit it, and, and, Why is that? and the reason i think that is that let, let's think about this typically i don't know how you started in sales or um uh, but but a lot of a lot of that calm kids young young adults coming out <laughs> of college 22 23 they go maybe they go into their first sales role or first sales job and I think today, at least a lot of organizations have cut back on true training and it's oh, yeah. throw, them, throw them in the deep end, which, you know, part of me believes in. Uh, but however, my fear is it puts a bad taste in, in people's mouths because that oh. was their first experience. And then they say, I never want to be in sales. I, I don't like it. I'm not good at it. Well, yeah. going from a sample of one and maybe it wasn't the right company and that goes back to if i loop in entrepreneurship back into this conversation yeah that entrepreneur a key ingredient to be a successful entrepreneur within the company you have to buy into the vision and the mission yeah. of the company and if you're not aligned it really doesn't matter if it's entrepreneurship or or just a general employee if you're not aligned with what the company is doing and and the why of the company then most likely you'll never get to the true potential that you could you could have. No, that makes a ton of sense with that. And like when people get it, you know, frustrated well, with missing the first shot, like I coach basketball. So it's like time and time again, one of my fundamental beliefs is that if someone wants to be in the management role in any company or sales, they should be a youth coach of something. It doesn't have to be sports. It could be performing arts. It could be something. But because if you can teach teenagers you can teach your staff typically it's the same mindset like it's funny we're like we really haven't grown up that much it's just they don't they want to don't let me get embarrassed and help me be successful rob i completely agree with what you just said i actually coached hockey for 20 plus years oh nice all the way from um when they're three-year-olds all the way up to high school they can play fact, three year they have three-year-old hockey well both my boys started skating when they were three yeah oh, wow. they, we, we start we throw them out there early and, but it's short stints right Our, you yeah. know you, you bring them where where the boys grew up you buy a season ice pass and i'm dating myself this is early 90s but you know you buy a season pass for 30 dollars and if you take them and they're on the ice for 10 minutes that's fine you're just introducing yeah. them to yeah. to the to the sport and then when they and then they take off and as I said earlier, I just actually flew back. I just arrived back from Las Vegas. And the reason why I was in Las Vegas was watching, I, I flew out, my wife and I flew out to watch two of uh, my younger son's best friends play in the AHL against each other. Oh, nice. One just graduated from Boston College um, and he plays for Henderson and the other young man plays for um, Chicago Blackhawks uh, nice. AHL team. Um, but when that gets ingrained into your family and your life. Oh, yeah strong memberships but back to your point of coaching i i agree if you can coach you sports um and and it, the application from youth sports to to business is aligned and matter of fact when i coached hockey i of course i focused on hockey skills yeah but my bigger focus was on the application of what i was teaching when they got outside of hockey because yeah most likely and we're not coaching pro players you know, typically it, it's, it's all about, you know, again, the life application, the discipline, the teamwork, comp yep. high compete level. Um, and we look for athletes at Unify as well, interviewing, not saying that we, you know, um, 
will not hire an athlete. But if, if, and, and because again, at Unify, we're also, we talk about team all the time and team members. And, you know, that's really our culture is team, 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 team. Did you, I don't know if you read the, uh, there was a Netflix book out not long ago about like their corporate culture and how they do things. And they sort of went away from the family as an organization, as a right. business to team, because like family, you can never really get away from, but if you're going like, Hey, Rob, Hey, you're part of our team, but you know what? It's just, it's, we got to cut you for whatever reason, but right. you cut them nicely. You do, you do, you take care of people. It's like, cause we brought you on for a reason. Well, you know, stuff like that where family, when someone's, they're still family no matter what their role is. So it's like, it's harder to get rid of family. And it's like, you feel like you're hurting your family. Like, well, I'm sorry. I got some bad news about being in our family. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I haven't seen, I haven't seen that, um, that, that movie or documentary, but you're, you're spot on. And when we talk about team within Unify, we, we, we really focus on, um, we're very transparent in our organization and one of our main messages all the time is if, if you really have when you show up in the morning we all have a choice right to yeah. do what we're required to do or what we know is to do or because we don't feel like doing it not doing it and yeah. and those are the two choices we have and we always message and, and always are talking about if you decide not to it's not only you're affecting yourself in your potential in your career but you're affecting the 30 other families that are in this business and we oh, use yeah. families because everyone has a spouse and families and because you're not carrying your weight, it lets down everyone. And there's a domino effect to that. So it's back to accountability, pure accountability. Oh, yeah. And as well, and that's right to myself as well. And I tell my team all the time, you'll never offend me. If you see me not being, trying to be the best version I can be not guaranteed that I'm always going to be, but hold myself accountable. Um, and, and that's the only way we can all get better. Oh yeah. And the same thing with the team aspect on the inverse side is if someone's legitimately having a bad day or bad time, that's when the team helps lift them up, Let, lift them up. And, and the same thing too, Rob, you mentioned earlier. And, and we have this, we talk about it all the time at, at Unify that if you're not happy here at Unify for some reason, if something changed, what, what have you, life is about chapters, right? Yeah. And, and if for some reason that you want to move on or, or try something else, come to us. I'll help you. I actually let's pull out your resume. Let's because I want people to be happy. Oh, and, yeah. and and it's amazing when I have that conversation. A lot of people will come back and say, you know what? I, I did some more research on this, and actually, I don't want to do that. I, yeah. I'd rather stay here. And then you see them, you know, really getting more engaged and and, and things of that nature. And some That's of my awesome to hear. Yeah, well, some it's a different it's a different approach. And 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 my boss even struggles with it. Um, I report <laughs> right to, to the to the president of, of the bank. Um, and I said, well, here's the thing. We are extremely efficient company, which means that from an employee team member perspective, we run extremely lean. Yeah. And I would rather know if someone is, has, or is considering to leave six months in advance, if they're really serious about doing that versus two weeks. Oh yeah. Well, imagine you, you help someone move on to their next chapter, like you're saying, and then you go, Hey, can you give me an extra week? So we get so-and-so trained up behind you. They're way more likely to say, yeah, or, hey, have them text me or call me sometime if they need help. And you're right. And I don't even think about that. It's doing the right thing. Oh, yeah. Again, everyone gets one go around here. Oh, yeah. And, and, and this is my other thing. I don't expect you to come skipping in every morning, whistling like you're so excited <laughs> to be at Unify and here we go. But in the same respect, I want you to understand what we're doing and buy in. And, and also you can influence what we're doing. You know, oh, yeah. back to that entrepreneurship 
concept where we want ideas. Three out of four employees, team members of every company have great ideas. And it doesn't have to be an idea to generate revenue. It can become an improvement of a process. It can be um, improvement of a, of a product offering. It can be improvement of a customer engagement to take friction out. And as soon as you start opening up those conversations, you see all of a sudden energy pick up, engagement pick up, and discretionary effort pick up within your organization. And now they feel part of it and they buy in. And also if they are leaving or decide if they want to leave, you know, they're going to leave something that they helped built. And a lot of times we've, we've lost employees. Knock on wood, we haven't lost any actually over the great resonation where everyone talks about it. Oh, wow. I even hate saying that because every time I say it, I feel I'm jinxing myself, <laughs> but we've been very blessed. Very that's, your, that's your inner coach coming out. It is. It, uh, it, my, my goal is my goal is pitching a shutout. All right. It, yeah. It, it's a superstition stuff. You're exactly, you're exactly, you're, you're spot on with that. However, former team members that we've had a lot of times at the end of the year, the new year, I'll send a thank you text because they were part of the foundation or, or, their, or their chapter was significant within Unify. Yeah. Um, and there's there's never hard feelings um yeah well what you're saying reminds me i don't know if you heard of andy stanley at all but he's oh, a, yeah he's a writer and he says everybody leaves an organization they either they're either gonna are they gonna leave or are you gonna launch them right are, are you gonna are they just gonna leave and be disgruntled or are you gonna launch them into their next next chapter next career next something because in a, in a strong organization if you don't have a lot of turnover but you have a guy that's been really working hard to be the next sales manager, whatever role is above them. And they're going, and you're going, well, I got a good sales manager. I don't need a second sales manager, but there's another organization that may need one. And yeah. so it's like to sort of say to hamstring a guy from their career, someone from their career growth, just because your organization doesn't have high turnover. Well, and, and as well as we're not, we're not, we're not large. We're not significantly large. And matter of fact, I have a team member right now who's an absolute all-star. I mean, yeah. she is top, top 1% in terms of, I would take her anywhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you identify someone that from a talent perspective, but more importantly, from a passion and common sense, and just always looking to become better. Mm -hmm. um, she, she actually came to her, she doesn't report direct to me, but she went to her boss and quite candidly said she'd like more people to, to manage. And she goes, I want more responsibility. I raised my hand. She's very, very good at what she does. Mm -hmm. The challenge is we don't have a larger plans of adding more bodies or more people. So I actually started reaching out to a couple of my buddies that are presidents in the, in the industry saying, hey, if you're if you are looking to add a, a great manager, a leader within customer service or portfolio management, I have a person. Um, and she was appreciative of that. And then I went to our bank parent and said, you know, explain the same thing. And we just made a, a significant acquisition of seven additional branches. So we're trying to now take some of that and, and put it within our organization to help offset some of the, the burden on the bank side, which now it solves two, two, you know, two uh, opportunities with, with one solution. So you just have to always be, oh yeah, think about an empathy, right? If you think from an empathy perspective, and think about what the person is trying to achieve. And if you try and fulfill what they're looking to do, you're going to, it's going to work for the company and work for other team members. So. Oh, yeah. And I think from the employee perspective or employee perspective is like, if they don't have the trust to go tell their manager, or their boss that, Hey, I want more responsibility. I want this. It's like their boss can't solve a problem. They don't know exists. 
spot and so, and so there's a trust factor that goes in there because like because what's you know if i go to you is if you were my boss you go hey rj i'd like more responsibility and if you just go i don't have anything immediately for you you know that i'm probably now automatically checking linkedin indeed a little bit more and and if you say something but no follow-up for six months or so I'll, i'm going that way anyway so it's like so it's I mean, One's that, already out the door anyway, so why not at least assist them or help them yeah. and do the right thing um, and or have that candid conversation where if you don't have, at least you know both where you, where you stand. And we are unique. It is, and, and, uh, and I will say I'm sure that we have some, you know, team members are looking that maybe they still feel a little bit awkward of having that conversation. Um, but I think as years go by and they see that and, and, and we help people and um, – uh, but you're spot on. It is all about trust. Yeah. And, it, and it's most, a lot of employees just don't try, like, it says a lot when you have people coming to you going, Hey, this is what I'm looking to do. Cause they're also, I mean, last thing I also want is for you then to chuckle when you, they say something like, Oh, you actually want to manage more people. Well, we, we all did. We, <laughs> I said, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> really be careful. And, and that, but, but she's a go getter and where she is in her life, her chapter of her life. Right yeah. Now, She's an empty nester and she's risen up through our, our, our company. Um, but now she's somewhat, you know, it's it, peaked out um, yeah. uh, from a responsibility perspective and things of that nature. And, um, but, but that's a key point, Rob, where if I was to go to my boss and say, I want more responsibility, I would go to my boss and say, you know, documented. And I, before I would just show, I would send them an email or my one-on-one and say, this is one of the agenda items that I have to talk about and hear my thoughts. So at least they're prepared. Yeah. And then you go in and say, hey, I want to take on this responsibility and, and start owning this. No boss in their right mind, if it's something that's not being done, yeah. is going to say, no, don't do that. If it's going to benefit the company. Oh, absolutely. And that goes back to the entrepreneur mindset. The entrepreneur is always looking for things to improve the business, initiatives to improve the business. And it is not in their job description. It is not anywhere near their job description. And they just have that mindset to, to, to always make things better. Yeah. Cause I don't, I haven't heard the entrepreneur term much until we talked. Right. Maybe I'm just not, well, you'll see it now. You'll you'll see it now, like anything, right? Yeah. Marketing, and but I because <laughs> I think there's also that, if you can call it like that marketing premise of like you should be your own entrepreneur. You should do this, which there's some like anything else. Like there's some truth to like you should treat your own personal finances like you're a business because that's what you. I mean, if you, if you are, and but they always there's always that every job seems like now on the job description, you know, entrepreneur mindset. And, and see, that's actually the wrong term that they should be using. They should, in that one, one person's opinion. Yep. And we have actually a little bit, we have data that supports this. So uh, we did a beta test where we had this same exact job description for the same position within our organization. And what we did was we put not entrepreneur mindset, but entrepreneur mindset. Because the fear of having an entrepreneur mindset, like we talked about early on, an entrepreneur is a visionary. Yeah. It's someone is always seeking to provide um, uh, ideas to solve people's needs. Yeah. But, but the, sometimes they lack on the execution piece. Yep. Right? Oh, yeah. So that's where you bring in the entrepreneur, which 
has the same type of tendencies, <clears throat> but they're more operational focused. Yeah. To, to make the company better. No, and, and it's a huge difference there when people see the definition between the two and the, and the tasks of the two. Yes. And now they own it. Now, now they have that ownership mindset when they come into your organization. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. <coughs> now you're, you're writing a book here coming up soon as I, I am. I, I am. I, I'm too name. That's okay. I'm trying to, uh, I'll stall here. I'll, I'll stall here for you if you need me yeah, to. <laughs> so I'll give you a quick story here on a, I, years ago I was in a sales interview with the, it was a media sales and one of my pet peeves, the, the sales manager person goes at this job, you have unlimited income potential. And I, and so, and I was in, had gone through a number of different interviews, like for different companies through this at this time. And I just, you know, sort of like your filter gets more and more worn down the more interviews you go on. And so I just go, well, why the last person leave? Did they go buy the New York jets? <laughs> and she looked at me like I was crazy and a little bit of a jerk, which was probably true at the moment. But I was just like, if it's unlimited income, these people must be just making banking and leaving. Right. Right. And, and it's just, it's one of those kind of like misuse of terms. Like we're not capping your commission is what she was saying. But no one wants to hear that. They want to hear, you can make as much as you want. It's kind of like the intro versus entrepreneur mindset right. where it's like no one wants to be. It's the leader versus follower. More mm -hmm. people are followers than leaders, but no one writes a book about being a good follower. No. Because no. no one wants to buy that book. No, no one wants to buy that book. No, I completely agree with that. However, being that entrepreneur, though, <clears throat> and, and I can clearly point to my career when I learned of this term, which was back in the, the mid nineties. Um, and I said, I, I self-identified, I said, that's me. This is who I am because I also, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, right. You always think I want to go back to that and things of that nature. Yeah. I want to own my own company. However, I was having tremendous success within corporate America and I was different. I was, you know, different, you know, granted I started in sales. Yeah. But I also always thought of myself not as a salesperson, but as a business person. Yeah. And there's a clear, distinct difference between the two. That salesperson, which we all serve a need, but that salesperson is going to sell you something no matter what, if you need it or don't. Yeah. They're, they they're just going to sell, and they and they and they're good at it. Yep. A business person is going to come in, like I mentioned earlier, come in and try and first of all know your business, not learn about it, but they're when they walk in, they know about your business. They know the challenges you're facing. You can speak from a, uh, a domain perspective where you're, you understand their business and then you provide the solutions. And if they don't have that need, I'm not selling them anything. However, the sales piece comes back by putting together a drip campaign, making sure that you're staying in touch with them oh, yeah. and, and, and things of that nature. When they do have that need, okay, they're going to think of you and you're going to be top of mind, but that's adding value. That's not a follow up email. Hey, just want to follow up with you, see how things are going. It's like, Hey, I, I, what I, what I do and we continue to do is send our customers valuable information that's truly going to help their business. Um, it's and some love it. Some, we don't hear anything back about or back when we send out that information, but that's the value component. And it's just not noise. We yeah. wanted, like when back to when COVID started with PPP, we were pushing out as much PPP information and idle information as we possibly could without over inundating. Yeah. And we wanted the quality of the content to be specific and very good. 
in the amount of responses that we we receive from from people saying thank you because people didn't know where to turn and they wanted a trusted source so we ensured oh, yeah. that the data was very vetted accurate before we would send it out to our, our customer base no that makes a ton of sense too because like even in like like back in the coaching circles like everybody knows the x's and o's yep. it's not like there's not a you know it's but are you giving them valuable information like like how to you know what's the term i for like coach from the heart and coach right. from are you giving them something more than just the X's and O's? Because the other kid knows the X's and O's too. So X, X and O's, you know, everyone has the same playbook. You know, I, I use the same type of uh, metaphor where, you know, we all have the same playbook or every NFL team or NHL team has the same playbook. It comes down to execution and also the culture within your, in your, in your, in your team. And then your in your compete level and then yep. just continuing fine tuning on, on those things. No, absolutely. We'll go back. You're, you have a new book you're working on. Yeah. The, the title of the book is Able Leadership, and it's really a biography of I, uh, my first business. Um, I was in the Air Force, and, yep. and um, my first business, I was actually, when I got out of the Air Force, was at the age of 22, which is a bar restaurant. My learnings from that all the way up to where I sit today in terms of uh, becoming a CEO president at Unify and my learning. So it's more of a a, a application book for either new leaders for new business owners okay. um, and it also has exercise at the end of at the end of eight every chapter of the chapter that they just read it's going to be an extremely somewhat easy read I, I had no desire to write a, a <laughs> page book it's very difficult um, oh, yeah. in respect I wanted to ensure that it was more of a book that people could use or learn or or business people or business owners and sales leaders and it doesn't matter what type of company that you can least use as a reference point so um it should be out here we're hoping to have it out by latest um end of this year my goal is to have it out q3 this year okay um and and by all means um you know i'll make sure you get a copy of it well, I appreciate that. And we'll put a, and what's the best way if someone did want to stay in touch of with when it comes out, what's the best way? Yep, best way is RJ. Uh, my website is rjgrimshaw.com. Okay. Um, my email is rj at rjgrimshaw.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, RJG coach, uh, <laughs> back to the coaching LinkedIn, but, um, feel free to drop me a line. I'll put you on, um, on the list, um, on, in terms of when it's coming out. Also, yeah. I answer all of my emails. If anyone has any questions on sales business, leadership, hockey coaching, um, you know, send me a note. I respond to all my emails. I just ask for you to be patient with me and give me a couple of days to, to respond. I, I do all my responses or respond to all, all my emails myself. No, very cool. Yeah. You'll appreciate this. We'll go on the hockey story. So I had a buddy who was do, who did the uh, TV announcing for the abs here in town. Oh yeah. And so he got me tickets one day. So uh, me and at the time, my fiance, go to the game and I don't know much about hockey. It's third, you know, it's the same season as basketball. I'm a basketball coach. So just not, I get it. Not, you know, you just don't spend a ton of time. You know, it wasn't popular in my friends and stuff growing up, but you know, you, I'm, I appreciate sports and I appreciate hockey. You know, we watch a game here and there actually going to a game here in about a week or so out here. It's exciting. Right. And the ads are actually good. Yeah. So that's usually when the fans come out, right? <laughs> Or when the Red Wings are in town. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, being from Toledo. Oh, yeah. So, no, I, I hate the Red Wings, though. So, oh, you sorry. do? Oh, yeah. No, I'm... You I, die hard abs, then. 
now I'm an Avs fan, so it's moving out here to yeah. Denver. But like uh, when I lived in Toledo, you couldn't tell anyone was a Red Wing fan until they were good. Then all of a sudden, the bandwagon fan show, flag showed up on cars. Like whenever I see those, I'm like, oh, that's the they're saying that they're a bandwagon fan. The flag <laughs> showed up on the cars. I love it. You're and so, but uh, went to the game. I didn't know anything different. And he, I'm getting texts about at the end of every period. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, this is the worst game ever. Oh, you you had no idea. I had no clue. I'm like, oh, it's great. Like, oh, he hit him. Oh, they took a shot. Okay, but it was zero to zero. Like the game ended and they played like the four and four uh, overtime. Okay, and stuff like that. But like, I so there was no scoring, so which isn't typical actually in a hockey game. And and yeah, but but it had to be very interesting, intriguing for you because there's a lot of stuff going on. If you don't know oh. hockey in terms of the changes and offsides and power plays and penalty kills. And, and my coaching mindset, I always love the strategy. So I want to know the rules. I want to know what, like, because soccer players actually translate very well to basketball. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if they do in hockey. Hockey's one of those, like, skating is such a skill that needs to be in, you know, from a young age. At three. I can't, I can't admit, like, I'm sure a hockey player with spacing would translate well to soccer or basketball. It, but, like, the spa- like, the skill set of hockey is just so spe- specific. It's hard that. But like the spacing idea where it's like, like I tried, I had a, I had a team once. I was like, I didn't really have like a, a true offense, but I just had guys with their roles and they knew what they could do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's like, know your spacing. This is where you guys are going. This is, you know, because they didn't, they didn't need set plays because they knew how their play was. Right. Right. You right. know, or they, you know, they call like, Hey, RJ, give me a screen or, you know, they, it, right. so it was really hard to scout. Right. Yeah, I would say, yeah, because no one's going to watch film to understand what your offense is. But I want to expand on something, Robin. You being a coach, you're going to absolutely love this and get it. Okay. So when I go, when we go as a family to to a hockey game, um, I love sitting. (laughs) It drives my family. I love sitting right behind the bench. When I say right behind the bench, like right behind the bench. Oh, yeah. I can reach out and touch the coach. Yep. And, And they're like, Dad just wants to go and watch the coaches. He doesn't want to watch the game. Now I want to watch the game, but to the point you just said, I love watching how coaches interact with their players. Yep. I love how they're the strategy. I, I just love the 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 people, the how they how they react to things, how they inter- engage with their officiating. Oh yeah. And part of my book is actually speaks of that. And it started back, I'm gonna date myself here, but it started. I grew up as a Syracuse Orangeman fan. My dad had season tickets to oh, basketball. Yeah. To the Big East, and this was back in the heyday where you know Syracuse and you had Georgetown and Patrick um, Ewing and those Patrick days. Ewing, Chris Mullen. I saw oh, Michael Jordan, David Robinson. I saw when he played for Navy come through. I yeah. saw some of the greats during that generation, and there was never a better league than the Big East during the heyday. I oh, mean, the no. Big East was dominant. I'm a um, Miami Hurricane fan, and they used to be in the Big East. Yeah, they they and I I remember when Miami joined the Big East. I said to my dad, I go, Syracuse is done. What kid in their right mind is going to be standing in Brooklyn or Harlem that we're recruiting and Miami's recruiting? Say, you know what? I want to go to Syracuse where it's 200 inches of snow and and maybe 10 degrees in the winter months, or do I go to Miami and be on the beach and live that oh, lifestyle? Yeah. Well, yeah. What's interesting though with the recruiting because I've talked to a lot of recruiters. So, like on a smaller school, like I would say a mid-major. Let's start there because like they're only really recruiting four hours from their school. Right. Now, when you go to the Miamis and the ACC schools, for the most part, they're more of a national, but probably more even regional to where they're at. Like a Boston college isn't going out to California to recruit a ton of kids. No. Because they just don't, they have no connection to them. It doesn't matter what they offer them. 
different culture too. East yeah. West Coast, it's completely different. Yeah. So it's it's interesting though where the importance of a kid, no matter what level to play, where their friends and family can come see. Because I truly believe like the hour or two after the game is the most important for that kid or player because that's the time like we take your kid, oh, we're gonna go get ice cream. We're gonna go. It's like and I try to coach the parents up to say, like, this isn't your time to coach your kid on the mistakes he made. I go, that's my job. I go, your job is to, you know, go, hey, great effort today. Hey, you know, maybe you go, how can I help you out if you're frustrated? How can I, you know, it's like, but don't tell them what they did wrong. I go, I go, because I can't tell you how many times I hear stories of a kid who got like a recruit, you know, he was out of Ohio, got took a scholarship in the, you know, in the Northeast there after a semester. He goes, nope, I'm going to go to a small school in Ohio so I can be near my family and they can come and watch me play and we can have those moments again because that's what they're playing for. I completely agree 100% on everything you just said. I've lived it. I've experienced it with my older son who was recruited heavily for um, for hockey. Actually, yeah. both my boys were recruited, but my, my second one, a little bit more talented and was recruited. And I've also seen it with his friends that were recruited. And yeah. spot on. Those, those decisions are usually made, made for that reason. Yeah. Um, and they wanted to go to a place. And then the second point to that is, as I mentioned earlier, we live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And... Um, up until four years ago, USA Hockey was based here in Ann Arbor. Yep. And they would bring in the top 20 players uh, for every across the country for 17 and 18 year olds. Oh wow! And they would live here and, and play for USA. And we used to we billeted two 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 different years. Um, so we had two different players that lived right with us and were part of our family. Oh nice! And to this day, both players to this day, we chuckle about their most favorite thing to do. After the game, are we going to eat? We're going to go get something to eat after the game. Oh yeah. Number one, that, that's all they cared. Are we going to go eat after the game? That's all. It didn't matter if we were going to the game. Are we going to go eat after the game? Oh yeah. No, it's the it's the favorite moment for most every player is that moment after the game, win or lose. It, win or they, lose. Make, they don't even just, want to talk about the game. Yeah, they might, but but just want to eat and and. Yeah, I think I think it's the the release of the anxiety of what is of, of the result of what happened and they can't worry about it anymore. The result is in and they have usually at least that night to not worry about till the, whatever the next game is. Com com completely, completely agree with that. And uh, you know, so if you're a parent and, and it's hard, I get it. I raised two, two athletes and my wife's an athlete and um, but they just want love and, and they, if they screwed up during the game. Guess what? They already know it. You oh yeah. You don't have to remind them about it. Now, effort, I we might focus on that a little bit or compete, but because yeah. that's behavior, that's not, you know. Correct. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. RJ, it has been an absolute pleasure here talking with you. Anything else before I let you go? No, I appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity to, to, to have this chat. And again, uh, RJ at rjgrimshaw.com is the email. And if I can ever do anything for anyone that's listening, by all means, feel free to reach out. Perfect. And I'll put that in the description there as well so people can right. find it easily. Perfect. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Rob.